You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. Today, we have a wonderful, and I'll even say a beautiful guest. I say that for everyone, but I really mean it this time. Today, we have Daniel Harmon. He's a singer, songwriter, mixer, producer, and like I said, a friend of mine. We met back in the year of our Lord 2020 at NAM, prior to the world falling apart. And uh, we've just stayed in touch ever since then. And uh, welcome to the show, Daniel. Oh, thank you so much. You know, that was actually, that was my last trip I did before the world fell apart. Actually, no, that's not true. That was my last time to California before it went sideways. But yeah, it was, who knew, huh? I think it was my last, yeah, it was probably my last real trip, definitely to California. And I don't know if you got it, but did you get an anthrax? Did you get really sick? Nope. But you know, when I did get it this year at Disneyland. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, I, that was my first time getting COVID was at Disneyland this this May. I avoided it for so long. Yeah, no, I didn't get sick then. But did you come home sick? Was that, do you think COVID for sure? Well, I definitely got sick. I got arguably sicker than I've ever been in my adult life and just happened to be in January of 2020. You were at NAM. There was what, 10,000 goddamn people there from all around the world. And we were all shaking hands and Drinking and hugging and yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I'll leave the name out, but what a very prominent producer, very prominent. I, I did an interview with him and he mentioned not feeling well, but he's like, but you know how it is, mate. I'm just going to push through and blah, blah, blah. He was literally coughing in my face. And, I know exactly uh, who that is. Yes, you do. <laughs> and then like two days later, I got sick as shit. No. Oh my God. It's all good, man. It's all good. Well, thank you for for joining the podcast. Like I said, um, where are you located? You're up in the Northwest. Yeah, I'm just up the road from you in Seattle. It's anywhere from two and a half to eight hours to get yeah. here or there <laughs> on I-5, you know? Yeah, I've been here for about 25 years now with a quick diversion in Portland. I lived there for two years. Uh, but originally from Arizona, so okay, moved here and moved to Seattle in '99. Now, Daniel, let me ask you: Do you think the Northwest weather is fucking exhausting and it's dark and rainy for eight months out of the year, or or do you love it and you find it cozy and charming? I don't think it's a matter of opinion. It is, <laughs> you know, dark and depressing. Well, it's dark and and gloomy for eight months out of the year, but it really didn't start affecting me until. Last year, to be honest with you, by the time February rolled around, I remember going and talking to my wife and I was like, we got to go somewhere sunny or I'm going to, you know, lose my mind. Like it was just, it was rough last year. And I think it was just also, you know, still balls deep in a pandemic and, and just not doing anything, you know, and, but I do, I do. At first I was like, 
because I came from the sun, I was like, it's it's wonderful. I'll never not love it. But then I started to quickly understand. Well, this is why people make records uh, in the winter <laughs> in basements. Uh, and then it really, I really felt it. I guess you could say this year. It was this year, January. So, so long way to get there. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, I'm feeling it. What about you? You grew up in the Northwest, though, right? I mean, predominantly. I I moved. So I I grew up as a kid in Southern California. That's kind of how I put it. I moved to Oregon, uh, I think early junior high, something like that. It's like 12, 13, something like that. I'm 39. So yes, I'm, I'm very much an Oregonian. Most of my life has been up here. And I would say that, you know, when I was younger, I didn't really, you're young, you don't really give a shit. You just skateboard and do whatever you do. And, but no, as the years have progressed, I have gone from like, like wearing it like a badge of pride, being a hoodie guy all year and playing in bands. And that's all there is to do in the Northwest. Cause it's shitty all year to now. Like I, I hate it. I hate the weather here with a burning passion. And I, yeah, we, we are making steps to do a split living situation. You know, we'll mm, spend, yeah. I don't know, like 60, 40, 60% of the year up here. Uh, we want land. We want a big farm and big property. Um, and then the other percentage of the time down in Southern California. Oh, cool. And do you know where you're looking? Do you have an idea where you want to be? In SoCal? Yeah. Yeah, probably the Long Beach area is kind of what works best for us. You know, as you know, we're massive Disneyland freaks. Mm-hmm. I'm literally wearing a Disneyland shirt right now. In fact, everything behind you is Disney stuff. All, those are all Disneyland posters. I love it. That is a Mickey watch on the wall. That is a Disneyland American flag. That's Disneyland American flag. I have a Mickey <laughs> tattoo. I'm a total, total psycho. And uh, yeah, so I mean, that's like our, our thing. My wife and I and friends, we love Disneyland. And so that's about a 25 minute drive from Long Beach, but I don't want to live in Orange County. Uh, Long Beach is still LA County. It's about 25 minutes from LA. So it's kind of perfect. I also love riding motorcycles and I love the, the highways off Long Beach. You know, you can go up to the Palisades and that whole situation. So yeah, I think that's where we're looking. Long Beach is great. Have you ever been to a bar called the Prospector? No, no. The craziest night of my life there on tour. (laughs) Amazing. My buddy and I, we played and then we were loading out and all of a sudden it's just sounds too unbelievable, but a car full of clowns pulled up four people, four clowns from inside the car and two from the trunk. Unbelievable. It was, it was a cab full of them. They hop out and they take over the bar. They basically throw the bartenders out and just start pouring drinks for everybody. No. Um, And, you know, I think this was, 2004 so i didn't really do a deep dive on the internet at that point but i think it might have been like a known thing down Mm. there but it was uh it was pretty insane and i have pictures of just like drunk clouds or drunk clowns you know hanging off of everyone it was it was it was nuts the bartenders didn't seem stoked about it but they were also kind of like that's what happens (laughs) you get clowned <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, that was fun. So check out the prospector if if uh, if it's still open. It was- I will, and I'll watch out for the clowns. You should always, even if you're not in SoCal. Well, as I introduced you to the show, I kind of gave a quick, you know, snapshot of what you're doing professionally and and why I know you. But for those listening, um, assuming they know nothing about you, Daniel, can you kind of give a the, the sort of three minute eleva- elevator pitch on on who you are and what you do and start from the birth? 
and go all the way through your life. I want to hear it all. You got enough time? Yeah, no problem. You know, I started making, putting out records in 2001, just as I had some songs that much like a lot of people that start putting out recording music that I wanted to just record for my friends and family. And that turned into a five song EP that the the dude, Greg Markle, that produced it was like, hey, I have, have a small label. I want to put this out. I was like, wow, awesome. And then at that point, I kind of made a choice of, well, do I want to focus on this or do I want to focus on other artistic things? And I'm kind of all or nothing. So I chose this because this was the thing I was most passionate about, you know, forever. So why not run with it? So I ended up making, you know, f- about four records with Greg and then went down to Portland to record a record at Cloud City with Brandon Eggleston. I'm not even sure if it's still there. It's in The Pearl. Yeah, I don't know if it is either. That, that record was called White Mountains. And I had been using another distributor for a long time. And then I was like, oh, I'll, I'll try DistroKid. And so I uploaded the record and was like, oh, I want to change the title of this song. So I emailed support, which was just Philip, the founder. And he was like, no one's ever told me that before. I made this thing for you. I was like, holy shit. Like try getting that done at, you know, the bodega, let alone a music service yeah. company. Right. And uh, I was like, if you ever need any help, I'd love to help. And, you know, I, I was, I'd been an electrician. I'd done like customer support. I worked for Apple all while being a musician touring, also playing like a bunch of live shows locally and stuff. So a year later, he sent out a tweet and was like, I need help. And I raised my hand and that's how I got started at DistroKid. And, and so I was there basically, you know, I was the first employee from 2000. I've been there since 2016. And since then I've met a lot of wonderful musicians, a lot of people, quote unquote, in the industry, such as yourself, that I've just kind of been become friends with. Because, you know, when you live behind a screen, especially during a pandemic, and you see any sort of spark or connection with another human, you kind of jump on it, especially creatively. And so, you know, like a lot of people, uh, I just started putting out a lot of collaborations during the pandemic with artists that I hadn't necessarily met in some overseas some local and then just kind of continued from there and so yeah i've been putting out a, i think i probably have about eight singles out this year alone um and then i put out an ambient instrumental ep because i had a an accident and broke my leg uh really badly this summer and so yeah i kind of built that out from bed <laughs> that's that was a fun story what is the name of the ambient project it's still under my name my, my artist named daniel g Harmon, but it this is called uh unspoken ghosts volume one and it's a six song ep i'm already working on the second one and then i hope to press vinyl next year oh that's really cool i was i was listening to on spotify earlier and it's Thank like you. it was the perfect like working stay focused music oh at thank the, you so it, much at least man. in that moment of time it was it was really great yeah it it's funny how it turned out like i i travel a lot generally and i recorded i bought a op1 which is a little portable synth for travel oh yeah those things are awesome it, it, is it kind of a is it a kind of a, a hard learning curve for that yeah you know and i barely scratched the surface on what it can do but i've done enough you know deep diving on youtube and seen enough videos to kind of get hit the ground running so they look rad my goal on every flight was to record four tracks four <laughs> four individual tracks of a song dump it into logic and then put it away and so by june when i had my accident i had about eight songs com- bare like not complete but like sketched out 
And then I had an accident and was in bed for a month. And I was like, well, I should do something. And so I asked my wife to go get my MIDI keyboard. <laughs> and I laid in bed and I built the songs out. I rearranged them. I chopped them up and got some samples, you know, off the TV and watched a lot of baseball. And Hell yeah. just uh, made this record. And it was really cathartic. It was a horrible time for me, but it was also kind of a beautiful time because I all I had to do was heal and work on this thing while my wife and dogs were snoring. What happened? I don't remember. Was it a car wreck? No, it was far less exciting. It was my birthday uh, dinner at my wife's family's house and I was coming out and it was rainy and mossy as it is here. Oh yes. You told me about this. And I slipped and I broke my tibia fibula and a bone in my ankle like straight up like nfl floppy foot version fucking gross so yeah it was fucked up i had surgery on my birthday and then i had to come home and have five of my friends carry me up to the bedroom where i lived for a month and yeah it was it was crazy it was like when you're not prepared for it i think is the the weirdest thing of course wife you know of course if you have surgery planned, you can kind of set the house up and stuff. But this was like, welcome home. Let's <laughs> figure out how to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and right, you know, right after the COVID era yeah. that we all really went through. And I can't imagine how frustrating that must have been. It was hard, you know, but also really hard on my wife because she had to kind of do everything. And yeah, we travel a little bit and we had a trip to New York planned the next week for my birthday. So a lot of that had to get pushed and, you know, our anniversary trip that we had planned couldn't do and so yeah i was in a basically a cast and then a boot once i was out of that for two months and i'm finally like walking normal again i still have a little bit of a limp but dude was able to do physical therapy and now i can i'm back to like working out and stuff and playing guitar and recording vocals and and with which i just couldn't do you know so it was it was fucked up i know can you imagine not can you imagine not having your wife through all that I thought about that all the time. I was like, what would I do if I was still living in my shitty studio apartment? You know, like I wouldn't, I would be dead. I would be dead. We are, we're very lucky, Daniel. We're very lucky to to have the wives that we do. Yesterday was our 12 year wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Dude. And we have been together for the better part of 20 years altogether. Isn't that crazy? Glad you put a (laughs) ring on it finally. Eight years. Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> such a degenerate piece of shit back then i don't know why she stayed with me i don't know why she's with me now let alone then god damn man oh uh, i know i'm with you but yeah i don't know how i would have done it and then you just you come out of it with a completely different perspective on kind of life and how how your day-to-day should be you know very very grateful so the other project do you want to Talk about the uh, lake elsewhere. Yeah. So um, I uh, met Harry Seaton, my musical partner, because uh, I worked with him with on some stuff at DistroKid many years ago, about five years ago, and got back in touch about two years ago. And then just were like, hey, we should do a song together. We did. And then he was like, I have these songs that I don't know quite know what to do with. You want to maybe start a thing and kind of build them out and then we were like yeah let's do a an original every month and then a cover song every month and so that you know was rocking full steam until my accident and we released a bunch of songs and then we're about to release i think we did as it was after my accident so 
Yeah. So this is going to be the second one since then. I'm not sure when this is going to go live, but we did a, a cover of Hey Ya, which is shockingly the most depressing song you've ever heard. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. I was listening to it right before we started actually, cause I had, I didn't get a chance to really listen to that project. Yeah. And as I was setting up all the stuff to record, I just hit play and just kind of had that going on the background as I set up. And I, I got to say, that is a really interesting take on Hey Ya. Oh, thank you. That's nuts, man. It was Harry's idea. He was like, I, because he does all these like looping videos of like guitar intros and stuff on on TikTok and and Instagram that he's really gotten quite popular with. And he did, hey, a long, long time ago and then never really did anything with it. And when he was like, we should do, hey, uh, I hadn't heard his version of it. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like that seems tough. And it's also <laughs> rough when like someone covers a hip hop song, you know, but it's more singy than there's more like singing than rapping, even on the original version. Is he, uh, is Harry based in the UK? He is. Yeah. So I went over there to see my really close friends play their final show ever. They were called Spring Offensive. I went over there in March and Harry and I linked up and we actually recorded like that song called Blue Moon. It's another cover, old standard. Uh, We recorded his vocals like in my hotel room. So that was like our first time like hanging out in real life. He lives outside of London and I'm in Seattle. So, you know, we're the kind of couple, (laughs) it'll be like, I'll wake up with a thousand texts from him and he'll wake up from a thousand, because it's just the time time zones just don't always work out, you know? Thank goodness for being able to snooze notifications, right? (laughs) Because of time zones. But yeah, he's in the UK and he's just, he's a really great lyricist and a really great guitar player. And so he'll send me stuff and I'll end up like mixing it, chopping it up and sometimes rearranging, adding vocals. My goal with that is to try, to, there's some songs that we do where it'll be one verse him, one verse me, and then we'll come together on the choruses. But oftentimes as with Heya, the we sing in tandem. And my goal when I'm mixing it is to make it sound not like two people, you know, like one kind of voice. So I don't do any like hard panning. I keep everything pretty tight, um, which is really fun, challenging, but fun. That's amazing. Yeah, it's fun. That is so cool. Yeah. Well, Daniel, you're one of those people that, you know, like, like myself, like a lot of people in the quote music industry, you do a lot of stuff. You know, you wear a lot of hats and uh, not not just literally. I know you also own a lot of hats. <laughs> Speaking of, thank you for the two DistroKid hats that you sent me a while ago. You're very I, welcome. I, sh- I should have worn it. <laughs> yeah, I love swag, man. I'm a big swag fan. That was the best part about Nam. Just all the free oh, crap. Know. You know what I learned? Do you see that red bag hanging? What, that's, is that from Target? That That's from Nam. <laughs> That's one one of the many swag bags I have from them. I learned, uh, I think this year or last, and I never looked it up. I never confirmed if it was true or not, but I learned what uh, the acronym SWAG stands for. What is it? Stuff we all get. Oh, that's so easy. Is it true? Stuff I don't know. All, I'm not going to Google it, but it works for me. Well, I'm an idiot. I always say swag. It's not swag. It's swag. Yeah, it's, it's swag. You could probably th- figure out some other words to go in there, though. Bullshit, trash, <laughs> garbage. <laughs> trash we all get. Yeah. <laughs> Which a lot of it is. Yeah. Nam's always funny because it's, it's like you think of the people are like trying to figure out what is the most memorable thing I can make to give to someone. You I know. know. I know. I know. <laughs> Dude, so you didn't go in June, right? I haven't been back. No. And that was that was on my birthday, the day of the injury, too. So, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I did go this time around. And it was great because it was, it was way scaled down, mm. you know, po- post-COVID. 
Um, it was in June and it's typically in January, but it was scaled down in a way that to me was cooler. Like all the big companies were, so a lot of them weren't there like Fender, Gibson, like we need another fucking Fender booth, you know, like it, they have enough marketing. So it was really cool to see a lot of the, the smaller makers have their, their time to shine. Anyway, there is a company that was giving away free hats, like free trucker hats. And you saw it everywhere at NAM, And it was just such good marketing. I thought that that was oh, a, yeah. a really clever idea. Genius. Yeah. Well, I want to kind of pivot here since I mentioned you do a lot of different things and you know you wear a lot of hats. The online distribution from music, or actually, let me back up. Just music distribution has changed so dramatically over the, the time that music has been recorded and documented. I mean, Jesus, that was a whole different planet back in the, the beginning of music. Like I said, the, the turn of the century. Even in the early aughts. Totally. I driving my fucking CD to the CD baby warehouse down at the airport. Do you think, I mean, a lot of my conversations with people tend to go to this topic of in many ways, it's easier now than ever. There are less gatekeepers right? There's less bullshit to filter through. It's back in the day, like getting signed to a label or getting a, a publishing deal or a distro deal was like winning the lottery. And, and now it's, it's just kind of open to everyone. Mm -hmm. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it'll all kind of level itself out? You think it's going to kind of shake itself out and the talent will rise to the top? I do think so. You know, and I think it's it's kind of already happening. And there's still some gatekeepers, you know, the the Spotify editorial curated playlist people yeah. and and all of that. But good music will always find the right ears. There's so much accessibility now. We could stop recording this, chop it up, put a drum beat behind it, and have it yeah. on Spotify tomorrow. You know, and you could do that with GarageBand, you could do that with Logic and number of free things. So anyone can make music. I mean. There's a lot of stuff to sort through, but you know how it is when you Spotify, let's just use them as an example, because they're the big player. They're the big one right now. They have so many great algorithms built in to help. If you're a person that wants to learn new, like about new music, I'm not yeah. <laughs> anymore, but I know I'm set in my ways, right? Mm -hmm. But it used to be, oh, I listen to KXP uh, to see what John in the Morning is playing or whatever. Now... If I want to hear something new, I just go to my Discover Weekly or my, you know, your daily mix. And based on genre, I can be like, oh, Spotify knows I listen to a shit ton of Run the Jewels. Mm -hmm. So it built a playlist based on that, not just right. Run the Jewels, but a bunch of other stuff. So I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I, I don't see it as problematic. I think in a lot of ways, it's beautiful for people who wouldn't necessarily have had the means because it was really expensive back in the day or the equipment to put out even a, a single let alone a record can record a song and have it uploaded whether they use DistroKid or not to spotify to apple music to whatever and then say like hey mom here's what i did <laughs> you know and have it available to anyone really quickly i think yeah. that's there's just something kind of sweet about that you know, whether they get 100,000 streams or followers or whatever, it just depends on what their goals are. And I think it's just really cool that anyone can really, you know, get stuff out there and get people listening to it with a, you send them a link, Yeah. you know, and here no, you go. You couldn't do that 
10, no. 20 years ago. No, because it was a physical product. You know, there's there's a lot of um, uh, a romantic kind of, I don't know, there, there's something to be missed about that, that mm -hmm. you used to go and buy this object, whether it was a CD, cassette tape, or a vinyl record. It's not like that doesn't exist. You can still go buy the vinyl version, but by and large, everything is online. By and large, everything's digital. I think it's, uh, I don't know, but the, it's, it is cool that like, it was so complicated back then. Mm -hmm. It was so complicated to get anything distributed. And now not only, like you said, is by tomorrow, we could have this up on Spotify, but you can also get a lot of good data and you know you can see how how many people are listening to your stuff and you can break down what might be owed to you for streaming and i think that's pretty cool i think that's really rad i'm not a touring artist anymore but i i'm sorry to cut you off but yeah i think that especially spotify for artists alone provides so much data and demo so many you know so much insight into the demographics or the listeners that that would be hugely valuable if you're building out a tour. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people barely scratch the surface, you know, about of what they can find in those, you know, artist facing portals that a lot of the streaming or yeah, streaming platforms provide these days. It's really cool. And yeah, you know, a lot of old heads will talk shit about the streaming royalty rate and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I get that. But my argument is, <clears throat> And I use this for myself. I, you know, I have a fucking storage unit full of CDs. Even if I were to go on tour and sell all of those, every one of those is a one-time purchase. I send someone a link or they listen to it on Spotify. That's continual income. It might be nominal, but yeah. it's a one-time purchase versus it's always alive. It's always potentially growing. It's always more, you know, you it's already always marketing itself within the Spotify algorithm or the title algorithm, which I think right. is so cool. Like you couldn't, that should just didn't exist before. So, yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And look, the, I think again, it's all going to work itself out. It feels like we've been here for a while, but we haven't. And the new way of operating in this current uh, version of the music industry is just now kind of getting solidified. Obviously, it's always changing, always evolving. And once we get it, quote, figured out, it'll change rapidly again. But like, you know, from the Napster days till now, a lot has changed. And it actually hasn't been that long in, in the big oh, yeah. scheme of things. It just hasn't. So people need to be a little patient. One thing I would like to see more of, though, as a manager of producers and mix engineers, I would like to see better credits on Spotify. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, I mean, you, right now it's it's performed by, written by, produced by, and then they show the source, like usually the label. But it really should have more. It should show mixed by, mastered by, yep. all those things, or even engineered by. I don't know why it's not there. It is the modern, it is the way that people digest music. It's the liner note. It's the liner note. We're all lying to ourselves that, well, no, you just put that in the liner notes. Who the fuck is looking at a liner note? No one. Exactly. And also, you know, so for the record, distributors such as DistroKid that collect that data, if the artist is willing to spend the time to input it, you know, you can on DistroKid, you can say, you know, James played drums on this song. Steve was my drug dealer. Like you, it goes that deep into what you can add. We send all of that. We send all of it. Right. It's just a matter of DSPs or stores building it out to present it publicly 
you know like you said yeah so titles actually gotten really good at it they show i think like mixer producer maybe another thing but yeah everyone has it it's just a matter of doing something with it because i i dream of the day when i can open up my phone and say hey siri play me songs on spotify that quest love played drums on right and it builds me a playlist you know i know that shit exists it's in there it's, it's all in there it's just a matter of doing it yo <laughs> let's get on this i mean what is it going to take is that is that just legislation no i don't think it's it's not even anything as far as i know and i'm no music lawyer but it's a lot of data to manage and to, for them to handle they've got it though well i mean it is and it isn't though i mean they're already plugging in produced by written by mm-hmm. and and who the label is add start with one more line mixed by that's all I ask for now. That is such an important thing. Yeah. For someone that mixed a record, it is fucking maddening to me that I have to go manually go search who mixed this record. And I promise you, the, the person that mixed it, that the guy or gal that mixed that record, they sure as shit wish it was a little bit easier to find. And not just on Discogs. No, that's right. No, <laughs> yeah. exactly, man. I know. I'm with you, dude. I'm with you. There's two people out there that know about allmusic.com. I remember all you know, music. Like, yeah. Do, yeah. Are they still are they still slanging? Are they out there? It's still? it's still a thing. It's still a thing. It's almost never accurate and it's almost never updated. But yeah, it's a it's a thing. <laughs> almost. Almost music. Uh, now yeah, I I go straight to Discogs. If I can't find, you know, if it's yeah. not on the Spotify page or whatever, and like yeah, me said, too. It it doesn't go very deep. Um and, and yeah. but, but by the way, you and I are music dorks. And a vinyl. You know, I love vinyl, so I'm, I yeah. love liner notes, you know, I, yeah. So I, but I think there's a lot of people out there just like us that are hungry for that shit too. Whenever I upload something, I give all the credit where credit is due and in hopes totally. that someday, A, that the stores, DSPs will ha- provide further insight, but also that there's an audience for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of ways you get it. It's your job. This is marketing for your mix engineer, for your producer, for your studio engineer, yeah. you know? It matters, man. Like, God damn, that song sounds good. Why? Who mixed the guitars? Yeah. You know? I want to know. I, I know. You know. Was it Ken Andrews or whoever? You know, so. Well, speaking of the new way of things and, you know, the modern internet era that we all live in, what is your take on... Uh, it's sort of a broad question, so stay with me for a bit. There, there The use of social media is for a lot of things. You know, Instagram posts, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, whatever. And I think it depends on what the thing is you're trying to promote, whether it's a band or a company or a record label or in my case a producer management company. Though th- that's all different marketing, it's all a different audience. Um but like like you just started a new project, you're trying to promote the music. What's the best way to do that and and do you still think that there's at the end of the day, traditional media has a hand to play in this. You know, is a Rolling Stone article, is that still going to carry a lot more weight for your thing? Let's just call it a band in this case, because a lot of people mm-hmm. listening are in bands and producers. Or is it blown up on fucking TikTok or Instagram? <clears throat> well, I can only speak from what's worked for me. I have a, a publicist for this project, the instrumental stuff, who is great. I dropped this on her at the very last minute to her tribute. She got me uh, to, a, you know, a feature and a premiere on blogs, mm-hmm. fairly big ones. 
and they didn't really move the needle. Interesting. To me, that doesn't mean people aren't doing their jobs. That means maybe that's not as important anymore. Now, this wasn't Rolling Stone or Spin. Does Spin still exist? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's still stuff that, especially in the Northwest, people pay attention to. Didn't really move the, move the needle. What has moved the needle for me and become really, really valuable is Facebook and Spotify ads. Okay. Uh, Insta sorry, Instagram and Facebook ads. And you said um, Spotify, Spotify ads. audio ads. Oh, okay. Yep. I run a lot of Spotify audio ads that like point directly to a new release or to a playlist. I know almost nothing about that last thing. I'm happy to kind of show you sometime. It's pretty simple. You just set up a budget. You say what, you know, who your similar artists are that you want people to list. You can start that through your own like Spotify account that you have. You just go to your profile. And... Yeah, you just do it through Ad Studio, okay. but you use your Spotify. If I log in and it would be great for you, probably, you know, uh, especially if you want to promote a record or a producer who worked on this record. Well, because we're, we're putting together like producer playlists now. Yeah, and I've seen that. That's yeah, that, that'd be cool. Exactly. Like, so what you do is you set up like for fans of the Wonder Years or, or whatever, and then it goes to people who have free accounts. So you can't point directly to a single. You have to go to a playlist because the way it works for people with free accounts is it randomizes things still. So it has to go to a playlist or an album. But that's just one of the pieces. Spotify ads have worked great for some things, not so great for others. Instagram and Facebook ads did really, really well for me during the pandemic. I have a song called The Gift, which is a collaborator, which is with that collaboration with a coworker friend of mine. And it was a thing that where I sent them a couple of voice notes, because <laughs> we all have a million of them, that they chopped up into a song that they sent back and I recorded vocals and then boom, it was done. It was out. So I ran a bunch of Facebook and Instagram ads for it for like six months and no other promotion at all. And it's killing it. It's at like 250,000 streams in like two years on Spotify, on Spotify, which is just like, really that's success for me. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's growth. Sure. Just a totally independent guy. You're right. The, the most, fulfilling thing is if I go to my Spotify for artists and I see there's like 4,000 playlists that it's been added to. And that's just people who like have a sad songs playlist or individual like dudes that are like, this is my song. This is my playlist for when I'm surfing or working yeah. out or whatever, yeah. you know, and I yeah. think that's so cool. It's, it is cool. It's not like corporate. It's just, it's really personal. It's real. Really it's special. really some guy added it to his surfing playlist. That's that, that is really rad. Exactly. A song that you wrote made it to that thoughtful of a curation. That's so cool. And worldwide. Right. You know, that goes back to the audience thing that we never would have had years ago, just trying to get stuff on radio, terrestrial radio, or sending CDs out. You know, you never had the reach that you had these days. That's something that I love about the current state that we're in, that like, I think it's time that we all, myself included, start measuring success in a different way. Mm -hmm. Now, let me be clear. I think we all want to to be as successful as we can within reason. You know, if you're a band, you want to play big venues, you want to make good money and you want to sell a lot of records. Great. But to your point, you know, there, there are a lot of ways to be successful. There are a lot of ways to be proud. There's a lot of ways to actually move the needle and maybe uh, your neighbor across the street might never even know about you. I, mm -hmm. I, I say this damn near every episode that it's almost every day at a minimum a couple times a week that I will hear of a, a band, 
or a podcast, a movie, a YouTube channel, some entity that I didn't know existed. And then when I look into it, it's a whole thing. There's a there's yeah. an audience for it. They're making money off it. It's it's a whole culture and a thing that's happening. And that is really fucking exciting to me. No, I totally agree. And I think that it's just so, so you know, there's a lot of trash. Oh, and, tons of trash. And there's, oh, yeah. TikTok is annoying. <laughs> you know, like it's a it's a necessary evil for artists if they choose to engage in that. Yeah. Um, but there's certain there's a ra- lot of rad shit on there, too. And of course, uh, but you're totally right. And the, the fact that like the people that live next door to you, unless they hear you making music, chances are, regardless of how big you get, will not know that you're a musician. Or That's right. Or you That's work right. With musicians, you know. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, people always ask, like, what's the number one marketing tip? Quick, hot take. Yeah. And I'm always like, collaborate with other artists. Like, because yeah, you get access to their audience and they get access to yours. You know, you pitch it to Spotify for editorial playlist consideration. Pretty sure it's never going to happen, but that's not what matters. It gets you your song in your followers release radar. And if you're yeah. collaborating with someone that has more or less, you're still getting in their ears. So it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. We live in a, a, a fucked up, but also wonderful time. Yes. Um, and to be an artist, you know, it's never been it's never been better. It's never been better. It's never been better and it's also never been easy. <laughs> and it's never going to be easy. <laughs> it's never why would it? That, that the audacity to think that this is supposed to be easy. One of my one of my favorite <clears throat> movies is A League of Their Own with Tom Hanks. Great 90s baseball movie. You're a baseball fan. I'm a I have a old-timey baseball player tattoo on my arm. <laughs> I'm a huge baseball fan. And anyway, I love I love that movie. There's a part in the movie where um god what is her name the main the main girl she's the catcher for the for the peaches is rosie o'donnell the catcher gina davis gina davis yeah that so her character she she kind of just gets pulled into the team because she's so good she didn't she had no intention of doing it right she wanted like a more traditional i want to be married and have kids sort of life anyway she makes it to the team she starts playing and then at one point she tells tom hanks the coach that she wants to quit and she said something to the effect of like it just got too hard and he responds with the hard is what makes it great that's that's the point of all of this like that's what makes it worth something if you if your band just you just snapped your fingers next day and it was the biggest band you would not appreciate it if your company just skyrocketed off to fucking success overnight yeah, it would, it would probably feel good in the short term, but you don't have that barometer. You don't have the time spent, the 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 hours and hours of just pounding away at this thing. Playing to the sound guy. So I, that's <laughs> right, man. Like it's, it's supposed to be fucking hard, and yep. and it's it's crazy that I talk to young bands every single day now. Damn near every like seven days a week, because yeah, as you know, we're never off. <laughs> And yeah, it's, it's, um, I don't mean to shit on them, but there's a lot of audacity. There's a lot of, I, because, because young people have the same problem. They think, well, because I love this so much and I'm so passionate about it. This is all I want. It's all about me. I, 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 they say I all the time Mm -hmm. that it, this should be important to everyone. And because I care so much. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like. (laughs) It's just such a fucking crazy expectation. 
you know, you, you have to go out there and show people why they should care. Because if, if you're honest with yourself, you don't give a fuck about anything either. No, I, I totally agree. Young man. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. <laughs> I want to ask your opinion on something. I've seen a lot of, you know, people lately, like big YouTubers talking about, you know, how important it is to get good at one thing. But I've never been that dude. I've always kind of been the guy that's pretty okay at a lot of things musically and if I'm not, I can figure it out. <laughs> you know, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to do something in Logic that I've done 40 times that I'm like, fuck, oh, better hit that YouTube tab. <laughs> I have to remind myself like, and this is not, there's no right or wrong, but do you feel like there's obviously value in both of those, but do you have a, a thought on which you think is leads to like greater success as a musician like zeroing on one thing versus just kind of well i mean i'll apply it to all things how about that i'll one up you here please because i am like you i would say out of out of instruments i was hands down better at drumming than i was at anything else but i also could kind of play guitar i could play guitar enough to write riffs for the band i played in but what i would do is i would hand it off to the better guitar player i go here's a dumb idea now make it better I think there is no right answer like what you said. I think this depends on the person. I think there are some people that need to put the horse blinders on and just focus on one thing and kill it at that. I think you'll know what type of person you are. I'm more like you. I had to try a ton of shit, not just as a not not just as a musician, but as a person. Yeah. I tried a lot of different jobs. I was a firefighter and EMT for 3 years. You know, I worked in construction as a building inspector for years. I did a lot of different stuff, man. You know, I toured in a band, then I stopped music. I did. I tried to get the adult job, then I proved to myself I'm just not made for the the real world. I can't do it. I can't function. I have to be in music. I just have to. And um, that's me. You know, and that's what worked for me. And it took me a while to kind of figure out my place in this world and my place in this job that I'm doing. That's great. So yeah, I I hope that answered your question. Totally. And I I also think that if you kind of pigeonhole yourself into the role of like, I'm the guy that treads, you're really limiting yourself to beautiful opportunities that may be out there for you. I listen to a lot of different music. My favorite band of all time is Blur. And I love that band. One of the big reasons I love them is because you can put on a Blur record and every song sounds like you're flipping to a different radio station, you know? Yeah. But it still sounds like Blur. By the way, that is so hard to do. Totally. That is so tough to do as a band. Yeah. Or as an an individual piece in a band. Mm -hmm. For sure. But I think that if artists allow themselves the flexibility to go out of their comfort zone and know like, well, I love hip hop. I'm not going to be a rapper. Yeah. How can I play on a hip hop record? Uh You know, how can I make my, what I do sound like me on a hip hop record? that's the hard work, right? Yeah. That's the, then comes the reward. Once you, once you figure it out, I think that's beautiful. And I think I want, I I hope for more people to, to feel less like pigeonholed, I guess. Amazing. Well, I have a couple more thoughts and questions for you as we start winding this here podcast down. Um, It's been super fun before I move on. I want to address the shirt that you're wearing here. You're, you're wearing a pure pleasure podcast shirt. My, My buddy Dewey, we're very meta today. 
Yeah, man. <laughs> Very meta. Love Dewey. Love the podcast. And I saw that they were running the, the new merch and I was like, gotta go. I, I started to embrace the long sleeve t-shirt. Yeah, me too. I, I, in I'm my old age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's cozy. <laughs> I don't know what it, it's like maybe cozy pandemic clothes, but I saw long sleeve t-shirts and I was like, hell yeah. And I always, I have so many t-shirts and records as my wife will tell you but to me that's like supporting you know i don't have a, a walmart t-shirt i have a t-shirt from the band i love for or my friend's podcast or whatever so well you're a better friend than i am i didn't buy a shirt from dewey i need to though but this is such a small world of people that we all know not only is that dewey shirt who is a buddy who's been on this podcast we literally talked yesterday he lives in the same city as me but also that design is designed by my friend Alan Ashcraft, who is oh, also right? a Portland staple guy. He worked at Equal Vision, worked Rise Records for years. Uh, yeah, so he's like a badass graphic designer, and he designs for some of the biggest bands and entities out there in the world. He's awesome. Did you say he's a Portland dude? Yep. Cool. That's awesome. I think he's It Came From The Sky on Instagram. Uh, there's a little plug for you. Check him out. He's He is amazing. Sweet. I will do. Yeah. I love that podcast. Love Dewey. And he's also, much like me, a construction dude. I'm not in the trades anymore. Yeah. Neither are you. But he, yep. he still is. He's out there grinding. Love it. Oh, I know. He's he's a badass. He gets up like five in the morning, if not earlier. Rocks an entire... That was the shit I couldn't handle. Yeah. And then he goes home and interviews, you know, Jonathan Davis from Corn. I know. <laughs> like, what <laughs> the fuck? Dude, his podcast took off. Yeah, that shit wouldn't have happened 20 years ago. I want to make a quick correction. My, my buddy, Alan, it's he changed his Instagram. It's at Alan Ashcraft on Instagram. Just just want to oh, correct that. Thank you. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, uh, Dewey's a man. Love him. What's up, Dewey? If you're listening, he's probably <laughs> not. Yeah, so let's, let's start winding this thing down. I have a thought for you slash question. So this weekend, me and a lot of my business partners and friends from Sound Talent Group, we're all going to when we were young fest this weekend in vegas and obviously the name kind of kind of paints the picture there's a lot of bands from back in the day and a lot you know we're of similar age i'm in my late 30s and a lot of these bands are bands that we all grew up with paramore my chemical romance glass jaw taking back sunday the used on and on and on fucking avril lavigne is on the bill it's crazy there's also a lot of bands that are new and a lot of artists that are new, you know, 22 year old kids that blew up on TikTok and they're going to be playing the, the fest, which is super cool. And then they just released tickets for 2023 lineup, which and it, I couldn't fucking believe it sold was, out immediately yeah, done the new first. One. I know it is already sold the fuck out, dude. And is green, it really? Yes. Oh it's sold out already in blink 182 and green day are headlining. That's right. They're back, baby. So that's okay. So this is my question. With When We Were Young Fest happening, with Blink-182 getting back together with Tom DeLonge, making a new record, Travis Barker seems to be producing fucking everything, playing drums on everything. He's single-handedly to credit for at least some of the the renaissance in rock and, and pop-punk music. How do you feel about... I guess it's a... It's a f <laughs> there's a few parts to my question. How do you feel about that scene coming back and how do you feel generally about quote old guy bands still doing the thing i'm all for all of it you know I, fuck yeah me too clearly the, the old guy shit 
there's a huge piece that's a money grab. Good for them. Of course. If you're in a band, a mid-level band, whatever that means, that all you fucking did was tour for 25 years, you're working at Circle K, man. You Fuck know, yeah, like, you are. You didn't get it. A lot of them didn't get a degree. They didn't build a career. They didn't have what our parents loved to call the fallback. You know, if there's an opportunity to make money off your music, you got to do it. There's no such thing as selling out anymore. You know, license your fucking shit to Chevy. Let's do it. You know, the only thing that I think is selling out is when you sell out your own personal values. And 100%. that's that's only I mean, I want people to hear what I'm fucking saying. That is only for you to decide. Not for the fans, not for your brother-in-law. It's for you, the artist. You're the only one that knows if you sold out or not. So don't take any shit from the 15-year-old kid that's like, Green Day fucking sold out. There used to be a punk band. Bitch, you weren't even born when Green Day fucking started. Get out of here. I was talking to a much younger friend, and I was like, hey, yeah, blah, 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 Dave Grohl. And they said, oh, you mean Dave Grohl from Foo Fighters? (laughs) Right, right, right. <laughs> and I just was like, "That's amazing." Well, I'm going through a tunnel. I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. But as a fan of that, you know, genre of music, I don't want to say like you know, swoopy hair emo, but I'm a fan of like working class emo. Let's like Jimmy World. Fuck know, yeah, probably one of my favorite. Bands me of me all too, time. of all time. Um. If if the kids are into it, fuck yeah, finally, you know, yeah. like good for them. Like I'm all for it, and I think it's cool that the, this, these huge festivals are like mixing the older with the newer. I think it's awesome. Like, what did I just say? Collaboration is the key, right? Like that's what they're doing. They're reaching the new fans are reaching, you know, the older fans are reaching new fans, and the young young kids are reaching you know, maybe the older guys. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think it's great. I think it's awesome. You know, there's less stay in your lane, which I think is great. Hell yeah. Well, I'm so glad you you think that I, I know you and I knew that that would be your answer, but it was more of a thought exercise for people listening. Cause there's a lot of shit talking going on specifically about that festival, but also just the, the general wave of things that's happening these days. Um, you know, Blink-22 is a great example of people pushing 50 at this point. And they get back together. They damn near sell out an entire world tour in a couple of days. They are as relevant now than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know what else your measuring stick is. What does that mean? They're not relevant. What the fuck does that even fucking mean? It's It's mm-hmm. maddening to me. Like, and oh, they drop the single and it rips. You and know? it fucking rips and the great. Not a clunker. How is that not? That's that's the definition of music industry. That's the definition of success. And yeah. whatever is like popping off now won't be popping off in one year from now. That's the fucking rule. I, I remember, you know, uh, our, our buddy Ryan Lewis, who you've met a couple mm-hmm. times. You know, he works with Doja Cat all the time. And she was like the... F- I mean, she still is the hot thing. But... You know, when she first came out, that was like the very hot thing. That was the the spicy new artist. And she's already like an OG to a lot of people because she's been around for a minute. And that's how fast that happens. So my thing with Doja is like, she's now proven that she's here to stay. She's legend status. She's legend status. She has just earned that shit. She was at the fucking Grammys, dude. 
She's a total badass and a real punk rocker in the end. Anyway, I'm going on a rant, but yeah, I um, I struggle with that. It it makes me, as you can tell, I'm fucking shouting. I'm, my hands are big. Yeah, I love and I, it. I love it. Like it pisses me off. I I hear it all the time. Like fucking, I and I I'm talking not just like Deftones and Green Day, our kind of era of bands that are quote old guy bands. I'm even talking about like U2 and fucking Rolling Stones, like. Why, how is that not rad that a band that are, they're fucking 80 and they're touring the planet? That's fucking <laughs> yep. amazing. How is that a bad thing? That is so they know fucking how to do. cool. It's all they know how to do, man. They're pirates. They, they love it. They fucking love it. And they're selling out arenas still. That's incredible. That's a good thing. We should celebrate that. We shouldn't shit on that. That's a good thing. That's, Unless it's terrible music. Unless it's terrible music. <laughs> Yeah, but on it all day. <laughs> well, look, but here's the thing. Even if it's terrible music and it's selling tickets, my, my thought on that is, well, maybe that's just not for me. And it's totally, you know, it's, it's that's how I feel too. You know, it, it took me uh, 15 years of putting out records to finally get my ego in check enough to say, I'm not for everybody. Totally. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Not just musically, but like as a person. And totally. that, that's hard yeah. to check your ego in that way, but it's it the really truth. Is. It I, really is. I'm pretty obnoxious to a lot of people, and I'm aware of that. And that's okay. That's all good, man. I got my people. I got my colleagues. I got my my wife, That my, my three cats. It's all I need, baby. It's all that matters. That's all that matters, you know. And for music, there's going to be someone out there that likes what you do, you know. Just keep grinding. You know, oh, for sure. Not everybody is for everybody, but it took me a long time to learn that lesson. Totally. And I think and on that note. Yeah. And on, on that note, that's right. <laughs> I don't know how much we can, how we can get better than that. Come on. No, that's, that's the perfect way to end this podcast, man. Well, dude, that was so fun. Th- thanks for hanging. Where can people find you? Where can people check out the shit you're doing? Uh, yeah. So you can, if you want access to everything, including all of my singles and stuff, you can just go to uh, hyperfollow.com forward slash dgh that has links to my socials if you want to go straight to instagram it's my handle is just new concerns um yeah and everything's on that hyperfollow link though um i'm sure you'll probably put it somewhere yeah we'll put um, it in the show on, notes it's also on my instagram so all right dude yeah dude thanks for having me on and of course um, hopefully i'll see you at nam or maybe even portland soon absolutely yeah we definitely need to hang it's been far too long so no mariners I got bad news for you. I'm an Angels fan. Uh, are I they know. still in? Are they out? Oh, God, no. They fucking suck. They got Otani, though. They're the, <laughs> the worst team ever. It's so painful. It's worse than being a Mariners fan. I don't know about that. They have the, two of the best right, baseball right, players in history. Anyway, fuck them. It's true. And they can't get it together. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Play us out. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear. 
the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments. The ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember. The ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.